I've lived in northern Monmouth County in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in this part of New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. When you think of Rumson, if you think of great burgers, great seafood, and the riverfront, You probably think of Barnacle Bills as well. And if you do, you might also be thinking of Todd Sherman, the owner of Barnacle Bills. But Todd is so much more than a restaurateur. He's a fascinating guy that's an accomplished musician, composer, and arranger. And by the way, a really nice guy. Just a note before we begin, for some reason there's a lot of static on this particular recording, and I apologize for that. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, Lucille. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you. Now, let's start right in and talk about how people mostly think about you as a restaurateur, but your earliest career path was in music. You started studying composition at a time when music was probably at its heyday, at least as far as we're concerned. What kind of music were you drawn to back then, and how did it influence the style of music you ended up writing? Well, to back up a little bit, I actually uh, started off washing dishes in a restaurant to um, make some money so I could buy a guitar, you know. And I was in a band when I was a kid. So we played mostly rock and roll, blues when I was 15, 16 years old. I was a dishwasher or busboy or whatever in the restaurant. I did that for a long time until I went to uh, music school for a little while. I went to uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston for only a year. And then I left and studied music in New York privately with uh, a man named Haywood Morris that I found when I took night courses at Manhattan School of Music. From night school, I found this teacher and studied with him for about five years until he passed away. So what kind of music, what style of music do you think influenced you back when you started? Mostly folk, folk Mm. music, you know. I started with folk. Pete Seeger, uh, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, and then we got more into the blues, Paul Butterfield, uh, even crazier stuff like Jimi Hendrix. Did that influence the kind of music that you ended up writing? Yeah, I think so. I mostly write ballads, also instrumental music, melodies. I love melodies. I was influenced a lot by by, uh, folk music. When I was 15, I was involved in the Middletown Folk Festival. And then from there, I got into the Red Bank Coffee House. Bruce used to come in with his acoustic guitar and play mm-hmm. before anybody knew who he really was, yeah. you know. It all influenced me, you know. I, I loved playing music. I liked the feeling. It made me feel good. So it was always a passion, no matter if I was washing dishes or cooking in a restaurant or working in a restaurant, to make money so I could live, pay my rent, whatever. Music was always my passion. Yeah. First passion. So it wasn't, you weren't really doing music to make a, a, a living career at it. You were no. doing music because you just loved it. I wanted to. I always wanted to. I wanted to be a staff writer in New York. I wanted to, to pursue that line. I knew somebody that did it, so I tried to follow in his footsteps, and, but uh, I, just, I just couldn't get there, you know. I enjoyed what I did. I wrote music. I had people that played my music, which I really like to hear, which to write for other people. Cause I'm not a singer, but I enjoy to hear other people singing my music. Jose did one of our songs. Gary played on it, matter of fact. So you and Chris wrote a song called To Be Free, correct? Correct, yeah, for Line Drive. Yeah, yeah. so let's listen to a little bit now.
Even before COVID hit, a number of venues where musicians could actually play and maybe get paid had really dwindled down to a trickle. However, at Barnacle Bills, you've had live music for a long time and it didn't stop until March when the pandemic hit. That's right. So how is it that you've been able to afford live music when so many of these other club owners say that they just can't afford to have live music? Well, we pay them what we can. They mostly accept what we can pay them, but we also let them drink. We also feed them and make sure that they take breaks and, and are taken care of so they don't feel like they're being uh, taken advantage of, which a lot of musicians do when they work in a club, you know? Barnacles is primarily a restaurant. It's not a, it's not a nightclub, so it's a restaurant with music. So so we do the best we can to pay a fair wage to musicians. Um, I pay them enough that they feel that they enjoy playing there and they come back. Back in the 60s, you were in a pretty popular band that played in, among other places, the Driftwood in Seabright. That's true. It was a band called Something Blue. It was a good old rock and roll band. Actually, at Driftwood, they pulled the plug on us one night because we got a little bit too loud in the teen room. The manager pulled the plug, and when we got paid, he paid us all in quarters because he <laughs> thought he was being smart. Chris was in a band called The Source, and we played at a place called Surf and Sea in Seabright. We were the opening act, and Chris's band, The Source, were the headliners. And our lead singer was a really good singer, like imitated Mick Jagger. He used to have maracas and sing. And, well, Steve Van Zant also had a pair of maracas that were exactly the same maracas. Steve Van Zant did something where he smashed his maracas against the wall and broke. And our singer thought they were his maracas. Where our singer, Jimmy Duffy, said to Steve Van Zandt, you broke my maracas. And he says, no, I didn't. And they started a literal fight up on the a stage. Yeah. Not a fist fight, but a pushing fight. Yeah. And until finally he looked over and he saw his maracas were fine and all was okay. But uh, <laughs> it was pretty tense for a little while. But I thought that was a pretty funny story. Chris and I always laugh about that, you know, because I didn't know Chris then. Oh. We weren't even friends. We didn't know each other back then. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Titton Falls. So near the dam site? Yeah, that's why I ended up with Peter working for Peter Charlie Brown. Yeah. I worked for him for many years and then uh, got to Barnacles and, you know, he was uh, where I, I started my uh, restaurant career. Now you played the guitar, but you didn't, you don't sing, right? Uh, just a little backup, but I play guitar, yeah. As a child of the 70s, excuse me for exposing your age here, you no doubt have been influenced by some great artists in that era. What are some of the bands or musicians that really made an impact on you and how did they influence you in, in terms of what you play? Butterfield Blues Band. I love playing their music and also Cream, Jimi Hendrix, all the standard all good old rock and roll of the 60s. I'm more of the 60s, you know, and that's yeah, more yeah, of my yeah, scene, well, mine too. you know. Now I play James Taylor. That's my thing. I, and isn't it funny because wasn't know, he around in the 60s? He was. <laughs> it's really interesting that some of these artists who were so popular when we were growing up, they found a new audience. Like Earth, Wind & Fire can still bring in a huge audience. I went to see Parliament Funkadelic a couple years ago. Everybody else in the audience was in their 20s. So it was like, wow, you know, it, it's interesting to see that, it, you know, it tells it you that uh, music is, 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 is alive and oh, well. It just, uh, you know, it's kind of an underground a little bit. Many of the musicians that I've spoken to have talked about your skill as a composer, no doubt as a result of your background at the Berklee School of Music that you mentioned earlier. So for those who don't know, Berklee is well known for the musicians who studied there, like 
Pat Metheny, musicians from The Cars, Tower of Power, Black Eyed Peas, Weezer, Dixie Chicks. But you studied composition. So I did. So let's talk about your skills as a composer. Well, the reason I left Berkeley was because at that time I wanted to study more composition. So I went to school in New York, uh, Manhattan School of Music. I studied composition there because I, I felt that that was a better place for me to study. I wanted to be a composer. I mean, uh, I even had ideas of writing classical music, even some jazz. I wanted to write and have people perform what I write and that was uh, what I really enjoyed the most. Now you mentioned before some of the stuff that you recorded. Has anybody else recorded things that you've written? Back with Dono, he, he put one of my songs on his albums and I worked with Jeff Levine. I've studied with Jeff Levine but also we wrote together and we wrote a couple of songs for one of the people that he produced, a man named Solomon Hicks and we wrote a song and got on one of his albums. Now some people have said the guitar is the best instrument to learn for writing music and then others have said the piano is the best piano for me yeah I write mostly on piano and then I can convert it to guitar if it's better on the guitar but I like writing on the piano it gives you more of a um, depth I admit that I literally have no knowledge at all of composition or what goes into writing a song so I'd be interested to know what you think is the most important thing you learned about music theory I enjoy harmony and counterpoint melodies and melodies going in different directions and combining melodies and harmonies. I love writing melodies. Writing melodies and then writing chords behind them and putting it together. And so you write the melody first and then you add in the chords? Well, sometimes it comes together, but, but sometimes it starts just with a melody or an idea. And, and, uh, and it's nice to see it grow If once you start. You start it, you can feel it. And as you feel it, it just keeps going and going. And, and uh, then you have something. You have a, a little bit and you put it aside and you go back to it and you work on it some more. And, and sometimes you, you know, within some time you have a finished product. There's certain songwriters, their songs might sound simple, but I'm guessing that they really aren't like Stevie Wonder. Genius. Yeah. What makes him a genius? His songs are not simple. His songs sound simple, but they're they're very difficult and they're just they're just they're beautiful. The, the man is a total genius. What about the Beatles? Same. Same same thing. Any favorite Beatles songs? I love them. I love them all. So many of them. It's, it's hard to pick here, there, and everywhere. Early songs versus like "I Want to Hold Your Hand" versus "She's Leaving Home." Yeah, they're they're all great. You can see their growth, you know, and how they grew. I I uh, when I was at Berkeley, uh, I had a final project. We had to pick a song and orchestrate it for a, a band. The teachers would come in and, and perform it, and you had to write all the parts out for all the different instruments, and I picked Here, There, and Everywhere by the Beatles, because that's one of my favorite songs. And you had a choice of, of conducting it or sitting back and listening to it, and the teacher would conduct it. I listened to it, you know, and it was cool to, to, to hear the song that you arranged. So that was a fun part of Berkeley. It's sort of like painting a picture. Everybody has the same paints, but it's how you put them together. When I was studying in New York, I studied privately with a couple of different people. One of them was a jazz arranger named Don Sebesky, and he had a course in New York that I studied with. I studied for about six months or eight months, and he would give us a piece of music to arrange, and he'd say, I want you to do this piece of music and arrange it for string quartet and write all the parts out. We didn't know why. We would write all the parts out. We had to give them the parts, and they performed everybody's project oh. right there in front of you. So if you really messed up, you could hear it. Or if you did well, you could hear that, too. How did yours turn out? Okay, I actually recorded it and heard his comments. Some were good, some were critical, some some he really liked, some he didn't. But for, it was a great experience to actually hear your music uh, that you arranged performed by a like a 
high-end string quartet. What artist would you like to hear doing some of your music, dead or alive? Bonnie Raitt. I love Bonnie Raitt, and, and I know she doesn't write a lot of her stuff, but I would love to write a song for her, you know. Why don't you send her some of your songs? How do you get to the people like that? You can't get to people oh. like that. You never know. You never know. I still send songs out in the mail, and I still enter song contests. And I still do it to see what happens. Yeah. Sometimes you get noticed, sometimes you don't. I get a lot of satisfaction out of writing. I'm starting to get back into it now after being away from it for a long time because I really focused on working at the restaurant. Now I have some time since my son has taken over that I have to have a chance to write again. It's a bit of getting used to because you have to kind of clear your head and, and not think about other things. And, and uh, But it's it's coming back, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to do it again, and it's nice. It's a nice feeling. Gary and I just watched a documentary about the Bee Gees, and um, oh, they were great. talking about their, their songwriting. I forgot how many really good songs they had. Beautiful songs, yeah. People think of them as just a disco, but well, they were the so much Well, the Saturday Night Fever was a great soundtrack, but they wrote they wrote such beautiful songs uh, yeah. in the early days, too. They were just Great writers, great performers. Mm -hmm. Now, bassist Chris Plunkett is a close friend of yours. Yeah. He mentioned that the two of you have composed several songs together. Very true. Well, Chris and I wrote for many years, and we've, we've got a nice collection of songs we've written and had some success. American Song Festival won a couple of little, little awards. Someday, uh, babe, you're going to come back. Someday. Jeff Levine, who I studied piano with. Mostly Chris and I wrote for a long time. Matter of fact, when he lived in um, Alabama, when he was playing with Hank Williams Jr., mm -hmm. I would mail him music, some lyrics, and he would look at them and mail back what he thought would fit there, fit here, and we would, you know, put it on a cassette tape and send it back yeah. and forth. Well, technology is one thing that makes it easier to collaborate now. In fact, during the pandemic, people are finding that they can collaborate a lot more, and not only with people that they know, but they could collaborate with people anywhere in the world. Yeah. Have you looked into collaborating with other people other than the musicians that you've worked with before? No, I, I haven't thought about that, but that's an interesting concept, you know, to, to work with somebody that you don't, you don't know. So last question. If somebody told you that they were planning to either start a career in music or in the restaurant business, what advice would you give them? Boy, that's a, that's a hard one. Forgetting the pandemic, the restaurant business would be a uh, probably a, a safer bet, but music would be more fun, <laughs> a lot more fun. Todd, thank you so much for making the time to come here. I've enjoyed speaking with you. I learned a lot of things about you I didn't know before. Well, thanks, Lucille. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. I love the arts and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. Oh.